You might already know that insulin resistance can lead to weight gain, but did you know that it also is one of the leading causes of death for its role in diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and Alzheimer's? Diet changes are essential when it comes to combating insulin resistance, but additional nutrients can also help. The one I recommend the most, berberine. Berberine is a plant extract that has been used in Chinese and Ayurvedic medicine for over 2,500 years. In addition to its long history, modern clinical trials have demonstrated that berberine supports cardiovascular health in a number of important synergistic ways. These include helping you maintain blood pressure, support healthy heart contraction and rhythm, and support healthy cholesterol and glucose levels. Our berberine support product also contains alpha-lipoic acid, or ALA, which has been shown to support blood sugar balance and is also a powerful antioxidant that scavenges free radicals. It's wonderful for maintaining healthy blood vessel and circulatory health. Consider taking the Synergistic Blend daily, or especially if you eat more than normal or indulge over the holidays or a birthday, where it should help reduce blood sugar spikes. Check out our product info sheet at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash product forward slash berberine hyphen support. To get 10% off berberine support, use code berberine at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now, let's get back to the show. For me, one of the things that I'm always looking for is what are the things that we can introduce to the body that allows the body to do what the body does best? Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from Natalie Nidham. Today, we're going to be talking about bioregulator peptides, what they are, what they do, how they work, and how they impact our biological age and telomeres and how to best use them. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guest is Natalie Nadem, who is a holistic nutritionist, human potential, and epigenetic coach, and she's also the host of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. Nat's focus has always been on the body's power to heal, and over the past several years, longevity and health span have been added to that list. This is where bioregulators come in, which we're going to talk about today. Once Nat discovered these, she knew that part of her mission had to be to spread the word about this incredible resource that comes to us from nature. In addition to hosting her podcast, Nat works with one-on-one clients, presents at conferences, and leads a vibrant community of biohackers and health seekers on Mighty Networks, the BSP community. Welcome to the show, Nat. It's nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I told you before we started recording that I heard about you through Amy Horneman's podcast, so we have some friends in common here. So you talked a lot about peptides on that episode. And so I had to bring you on my show. So let me ask you how you got so passionate about peptides and kind of if they've changed your life. Yeah, (laughs) they've changed my, they've totally changed my life in many different ways, both professionally and personally. And how I heard about them was at a conference, you know, I, I was at one of these kind of health conferences and I have told this story before, actually, you know, it was one of those ones where I'd spent all my time in the exhibit hall, connecting with the exhibitors and learning Mm -hmm. about the new stuff. And at one point I just needed to take a load off. And so I went to sit down and there was this guy on stage talking and something he said just kind of caught my attention. And I think the first thing that caught my attention was, you know, I have a 10 and he was quite tanned and he goes, but I haven't spent much time in the sun at all. I achieved this with a peptide. And I was like, what's a peptide? (laughs) It's a peptide, right? And so then he goes on. And then the next thing he talked about, I think was BPC-157, which is incredible for gut healing. Now I've like the hook is in my mouth. I'm getting dragged through the water. And the next one he talks about is a pitalon, which is actually a bioregulator peptide, which we'll talk about later. And by the time he was done with the list of benefits that the people experienced who'd been through clinical trial, I was like tapping the guy's shoulder in front of me going, is this guy for real? Like, is he making this up? And he's like, this guy was a compounding pharmacist. And he's like, uh, no, he is not making it up. This stuff is crazy. And so, you know, I was, I, I walked away from there kind of scratching my head going, hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and it was, it became a bit of an obsession, right? Just because for me, one of the things that I'm always looking for is what are the things that we can introduce to the body that allows the body to do what the body does best? Right. I think one of the biggest challenges that we have in helping people to overcome their health issues or to live longer or healthier is that 
too many, so often a medication or a drug is going to exert its activity by blocking a pathway or changing something. And the problem with that is that the cascade of events that follows is not always either taken into account or understood. And so then you end up with all those, you get that laundry list of side effects, and then you need another medication to offset the first medication, and which can get us into some trouble. And there's no doubt that drugs, you know, like they're part of the landscape and they can be really yeah, helpful sometimes. There's a time and place for them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like antibiotics, people are pooping over antibiotics all the time. I'm like, no, you know what? Some, there's, there's, there's a reality. There's a benefit to being born at this stage of the world because antibiotics can really save somebody's bacon. But at the end, at the same time, we, if we can find something that kind of flips on the body's own switch to do something better, and then allows those natural cascades to fall out as they're supposed to, then we're really, to me, we're really onto something. And so Agreed. that's kind of how I got into it. And um, my husband at the time was like, oh my God, you have the worst shiny object syndrome. I'm like, no, it's not shiny object syndrome. It's lifelong learner syndrome. <laughs> that's what I have. I'm going to tell my husband I have that. Yeah. Are you comfortable sharing a little bit, of, bit about how peptides have changed your life, maybe your health? So for me, I think, well, so what I've done is over the last, it's been over a year now, I've been in a clinical trial using bioregulator peptides, which the goal is to see at the end of three years, what effect it's had on telomere length and DNA methylation. So your biological age. And when I came into the trial, I was actually already way ahead of the game. And I think it's because I'd already been using things like Epitalon and Vesigen, like some of these bioregulators. But, you know, on the peptide side, I've had a very mixed experience with peptides. And so, which I think people will find interesting. So BPC-157 for me, which I like to call the Swiss army knife of the peptide world because it does so many different things. I'm no different than the next guy, right? It's it's helped me to heal from injuries. It's helped me to recover from workouts. It's been like a really powerful tool in my arsenal. The other one that I've used quite extensively, particularly over the last couple of years to support my immune system has been thymosin alpha one. And that's been both for me and my family, you know, at a time when, you know, people are coming down with crazy bugs. If you have access to some of these tools, they can really help your body to deal with the challenge, maybe a little bit better. The first stack of peptides that I was ever put on by somebody else was what we would refer to now as a Wolverine stack. So it's your BPC-157, your thymosin beta-4, and your CJC epimorelin. And, you know, I, whenever I'm talking about peptides, I feel like I have to apologize to the audience because it's this freaking alphabet soup of it is compounds, right? Like, it's like, how do you even remember these things? I get people talking to me about CBP and BOC and like AOD. 157. <laughs> like they just, they, they, they can't keep the letters straight. They don't remember what letters go where. And I don't blame them because it's super confusing. But unfortunately, because these are technically still, for the most part, research chemicals. There's no drug company that's picked them up except with a few exceptions and named them and given them a drug name, right? So we don't we don't have the name for these things that that makes it sound sexy or be accessible kind of thing. So we're kind of stuck with what the researcher is who found it said, oh, well, this is, and BPC actually is not that crazy. If you can remember that it actually stands for stands body, for body protective, protective compound, yeah. then you can remember. But anyway, going back to my story on my Wolverine stack. So the Wolverine stack is heal like a Wolverine, right? Remember in the X-Men, Wolverine gets an injury and he just spontaneously heals. So the promise of the Wolverine stack is pretty much that it will uh, help you to heal. And what it is, is this BPC, Body Protective Compound 157, which is really, really powerful for gut healing, but it's also extremely powerful for musculoskeletal injuries. And it can help with the brain. Like it, it's really, as you know, it's full spectrum in terms of the benefits for the body, except for the few people who it drives anxiety and and kookiness for. And then we don't, I don't really know why that is because BPC-157 on paper is supposed to normalize dopaminergic, serotonergic, and GABAergic systems. And for a very small percentage of people, it actually makes them crazy. They can't use it, right? I'm glad you said that because I've had some patients report that. So I'm, yeah. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. But, but unfortunately, it sounds like we don't know why. 
We don't. And, you know, the problem is that because the narrative on BPC-157 and so many of these peptides is, oh, they're totally safe, your body recognizes them, people allow some of these symptoms to go for quite a long time. And what I've seen with BPC-157, for those people who respond badly to it, if they persist in using it, it can take quite a while for things to come back into balance. Sure. So one of the things I suggest to people is at the end of the day, you've got, if you're going to use these kinds of compounds, you have to be your own health detective. You have mm -hmm. to be running your own end of one. Keep notes because it's, you know, you might feel kind of depressed one day and you're like, okay, whatever. I feel depressed. Right. But if you're not keeping notes because, you know, I started BPC 157 on Wednesday and then you go back over your notes and you realize at the end of three or four or five or six or seven days that all of a sudden, you know, somebody turned the lights out and it seems to coincide with when you started using this stuff. Mm -hmm. It behooves you to stop, sure. see if things fall back into place, and then reconsider your options, right? So I sorry. totally agree. For some of those patients, though, it's almost like how how bad is the anxiety in that? Does the benefit of gut healing still outweigh the risk of the anxiety? And I think that's something each individual has to kind of weigh, right? Because in the individual who maybe is negatively impacted, are they still positively impacted? Is it still healing their gut? Right. Yeah. That, I guess that's a question I would pose. Yeah. But. And the thing is, there's there's many different ways to skin a cat. Yep. Right. Yep. So there are other peptides that help with gut healing. Nothing. Well, there's one that's as powerful as BPC-157, but it's not accessible in North America because the, there is a drug company that's caught in a hold of it called lorazetide. And they haven't put it, they haven't marketed yet, Sure. but they're running around sending cease and desist letters to anybody who's making it. Right. So it's kind of, it's kind of made it inaccessible. There is one oral BPC-157 formula that is still includes it, but you have to order it from Australia. Anyway, sure. back to the Wolverine stack. Um, so thymosin beta-4 is the other piece of the Wolverine stack. And that is, on paper, that's a thymus peptide. So it originates from the thymus gland, but it not only has immune properties, it has also massive properties in terms of reducing, um, like it's antifibrotic. It helps with reducing scar tissue. It also helps very much with musculoskeletal healing. There have been some animal trials, both with BPC and TB4, that shows that, you know, healing of ligaments and tendons, that kind of stuff is really enhanced by these compounds. And they also have benefits for the nervous system, for myelination, like all the things. But TB4 and BPC-157, it's kind of like your peanut butter and jelly. They just go together like beautifully, because they really complement each other nicely. And then the third piece of the Wolverine stack, which I was using, is CJC1295 and ipamorelin. These are two different things. CJC1295 is one of them. Ipamorelin is the other. And they are referred to and known as growth hormone secretagogues. And what that, you know, not to get too far into the weeds, what all that really means is that they are two compounds that stimulate the brain to produce and release your own growth hormone. And so, they're a beautiful thing because more growth hormone without excess can help you to heal faster. It's really good for sleep. It's good for making muscle. It's good for losing fat. It's good for mm -hmm. your brain. It's good for your skin. Like it's, it's kind of like a little bit of a magical elixir. So I use these for all three of them for, I'm going to say four to six weeks. And at the time I was not keeping notes, so I can't tell you exactly how long I use them for, but I can tell you that the time that I was using them, I was doing CrossFit and heavy weightlifting. And it's like, I never got sore. I became like, it, I wow. really like started to think, wow, I think I'm turning into Wolverine. This is super cool. And then one day, I noticed that, and the way these are administered is by subcutaneous injection, right? So it's into the fat. It's very easy. It's with a little insulin needle. Anyway, one day I noticed, oh, wow, like I think I got a mosquito bite. And then my mosquito bite started to get big and red and hot. And it was so itchy that I had to put a Band-Aid over it so that my T-shirt wouldn't rub against it because it was so itchy. And my mosquito bite funny. There was another mosquito bite the next day and another the day after that. And they were getting really annoying. Mm -hmm. And then at this point, I'd gotten really confident and I was combining all my peptides into one syringe and I was injecting it all together. And I'd found this really cool spot above my knee that's kind of fleshy and cushy. And that was a really great place to inject because it doesn't hurt and the whole nine yards. And I wake up one morning and it was like there was a golf ball right above my knee. 
And what had been building up until this point that I didn't know because the person who gave me the peptides are like 100% safe, there's never any side effects, you're totally fine, is that my immune system said, wait a minute, we are not cool with this. Mm -hmm. And it had been getting progressively angrier and angrier and angrier until that golf ball happened and it was like arms crossed, this is stopping right here and now. And so to this day, I cannot touch thymus and beta-4 or CJC epimorelin. My suspicion is the CJC epimorelin was the worst troublemaker because now, you know, three and a half years in, these are the peptides I see produce the most histamine responses in people. And then thymus and beta-4, TB4 is interesting because a peptide on paper is 50 amino acids or less in length. TB4, by that definition, is actually quite big. It's 43 amino acids. But what's interesting about TB4 is that 43 amino acid peptide has all different docking areas, right? So it's not like a string. It's folded in different ways, and different folds produce different, if you will, docking sites for receptors in the body. And so if you com- if you separate it into its components, you can actually get TB4 fragments that do different things to isolate different effects. There's one that's very anti-inflammatory, another one that's anti-fibrotic. There's another one that's really good for the heart. There's a question, you know, some people ask themselves sometimes, well, those little four amino acid chains, could some of those be bioregulators that haven't been discovered yet? But we'll leave that for a minute. We'll talk about that later. Needless to say, there is one fragment of TB4 that actually drives histamine responses. And unbeknownst, yeah. I never thought of myself as a person with any kind of histamine issues, but apparently <laughs> I might have some, not crazy histamine issues like some people, but I can't use TB4 and CJC epimorelin. So, Were you cycling those or were you using them continuously when you started so to So I was doing a 12-week cycle, yeah, Okay, good. but yeah, I never yeah, got yeah. through it. Right. Okay. I never made it to the end because when this happened, obviously I had to cease and desist everything. So that was my, you know, I think it's an important story to share because I think it highlights on the one hand, the benefits you can get, but on the other hand, the things that can go wrong. Right. And I wonder if I hadn't been mixing them in the same syringe, if I hadn't, if, if maybe it would have been just the CJC epimorelin and not the TB4, that would have been the problem. But we'll never know. And so now when people ask me for advice, I always recommend that they never combine more than one peptide into one syringe until they've established that they tolerate. And that yeah, and you have to wait a while. Advice. Yep. Yeah. You have to wait. In a best case scenario, I ask people to wait a month because it can take that long for the immune system to kind of declare war. <laughs> Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a good story. Thank you for sharing that. I was going to say, let's rewind and kind of define what peptides are, which you kind of just did. So let's move on to some of your other favorite peptides. We have to talk about peptides for weight loss because most of my patients always want to (laughs) work towards improving body composition changes and, you know, lose weight and whatnot. So thank you for sharing about those three. What are some of your other favorite peptides? Um, I would say one of my other favorite peptides is the copper peptide, GHK. It does a lot. It's incredibly beneficial for skin. It's very beneficial to reduce scarring when people are having surgery. It seems to have anxiolytic effects. It, it, I actually think it's, it helps with hair restoration. Now, the interesting thing about that is just the other day, somebody in my group posted a study that was saying that one of the ways the GHKCU in particular helps with hair growth, and usually it's used topically in conjunction with microneedling and then a bunch of other stuff. Um, is that it inhibits DHT. And which is an interesting thing to think about when we're using it systemically for men. And I don't know what the fallout from that is, but to me, it's it's another little reminder that especially sure. with compounds like GHKCU, there's so much we still don't know about it that it's really a good idea to just be mindful when you're using it and stay curious, stay open and and keep notes, right? Yeah. Melanotan 2 is another peptide that I've used. I haven't used it in a long time actually, but that I really like. But you know, here's another good news, bad news story. So I'm using Melanotan 2, which is great for helping you to tan with very little sun exposure, but actually it also has some appetite suppressing effects. It also helps to raise your resting metabolic rate. It So it can help with fat loss. Like it's, mm-hmm. it helps to thicken skin. It's a really interesting peptide, 
The dark side of melanotan too is it can make you super tired because it acts on those alpha MSH receptors. And that tan can be great, except if you don't have somebody else telling you, hey, you're looking really good, or how many hours have you been sitting in the sun? Because what happens is you see you every day and you miss the part about how you start to just get too tan, right? So seen some of those that. people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you see people are like, okay, that's a little scary. But the other thing that happened with me, and I didn't know this was a thing until it happened to me, is that some people will hyperpigment at the ejection site. Mm-hmm. So I got one blob and I thought it was a bruise because every once in a while you do a subcutaneous injection, you hit a little blood vessel and you get a bit of a bruise. Then I got another bruise. And then shortly after that, I got a third bruise. And then I realized the bruises aren't going away. And that's when I dug into the research and learned. (laughs) It's not a bruise. Yeah. And it's not a bruise. And it took a year for those spots to go away. Wow. So instead, I can, I use, if I'm going to use it, I use it um, intranasally. Why you get the same yeah. you get the same benefits, but you don't get the staining. So, you know, so there's these little nuances and things that people mm-hmm. don't tell you mm-hmm. necessarily, either because they don't know, they forget, or they they don't know, right? Mm-hmm. So um so going to the weight loss peptides, I mean, there's a host. So there's definitely mm-hmm. people who do very well with the growth hormone secretagogues. Mm-hmm. They, and these are people that are, I mean, actually it can be someone with a lot of weight to lose or very little weight to lose, but particularly if you've got your nutrition dialed in and you're exercising and you're a good responder, not everybody is. I've seen people do really well with growth hormone secretagogues for body composition. Mm-hmm. I have too. Yep. Yeah. And then the next one is set melanotide, which is a fragment of melanotan. And the problem with set melanotide is again, it you get the tanning, which can be not great after a while, and it can make you nauseous. And it can also make you very tired. Like you find yourself yawning a lot during the day. But part of that is a brain, it's hitting a brain brain section of your brain that makes you yawn. It's the weirdest thing. And it's annoying, especially when you're a podcaster and trying to stay interested (laughs) in what people are saying to you. It's not that you're not interested, but they think you're not because you're yawning. So, and you've got this weird tan. So it, to me, it's, it was never like, but it, but it can help with body comp to a point. And it helps a lot with appetite. And the people who do the best with it are people that have a genetic variant on the POMC gene. And those people are Mm -hmm. very rare, but for those people, it's almost like the thing that they need. Could you be missing out on magnesium? If you aren't already taking magnesium, you likely should be. Our deficient food sources, caffeine consumption, stress, and exercise rob us of magnesium, which is an important cofactor for hundreds of processes in the body. It can calm your mind and ease your nerves to help you sleep at night and help reduce anxiety, PMS, and headaches. It can relax your muscles when you have cramps, your bowels when you're constipated, and it's required for energy, hormone production, and vitamin D absorption. If you're interested in exploring more about how magnesium can help support you living a longer, healthier life and the exact type of magnesium supplement to look for, check out my blog post, The Magnificence of Magnesium, found at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash blog. And use code magnesium for 10% off our magnesium chelate product at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now let's get back to the episode. go down a little further. And now we've got these two new compounds that are the closest thing to a silver bullet in fat loss that I think humanity has ever come across. And these are the GLP-1 agonists. And they're getting a lot of good press and a lot of terrible press. And I think part of the reason why they're getting terrible press is because once again, people are going for shortcuts, right? Mm -hmm. So set melanotide, which is the first one that came out, um, is a GLP-1 agonist. And it's amazing because it does reduce appetite, but more importantly, it metabolically has a lot of benefits to the body. So it improves your glucose sensitivity. It increases your resting metabolic rate. It affects the brain centers that drive cravings and reduces those cravings. People often find it's not so much that they're full as that they don't, they don't care. They don't seem to mm-hmm. want yeah, that's what my patients say. They just have this freedom. It's just, they just yeah. don't want food. Yeah. I mean, it is important to still eat though, to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Especially protein. Yeah. So this is where people get into trouble. Number one, 
to me, if you're going to use one of these peptides, don't lean on it 100% to do the work. Use it just enough to get you to that place where you have now control over your cravings and your intake, but do the work on improving your diet now, right? So protein first, and then healthy fats, and then your vegetables, you're not going to be able to eat as much. So what you eat, you've got to make it count. Oh, yeah. like you have to make it count. And so this is the time when you have, when you're freed from, oh, what I really want is a muffin, but she's telling me I got to eat like a burger or not even a burger. She's telling me I got to eat a piece of fish, which I really don't want. I really want the chocolate chip muffin. You're freed from that kind of struggle. Mm-hmm. Now's the time to kind of lean into what does a healthy diet look like, feel like, set those habits, start exercising. rebuild your lean mass because if you use whether it's setmelanotide or terzepatide and you under eat and you don't eat enough protein and you don't exercise you're going to lose weight but you're also going to lose muscle and then when you stop you're going to be i can't remember who the actress was not that long ago who's like oh you know i stopped the semaglutide and my cravings came back i started binge eating and i put on double the weight well if you're losing your lean mass and you don't have good eating habits guess what (laughs) you're going to balloon, right? So terzepatide is the newest entry into that world. And it came out, it was made available by the FDA, I believe last July. So there's not quite as much data out on it. However, they did the trials. It's the same thing as semaglutide, except that it also acts on another receptor, right? So it's a GLP-1 and G, I always forget it's G1P or GL, I think it's a G1P is the other one. So it's two different receptors. So it's not only leaning on the GLP-1. What happens with the GLP-1 receptor over time is that it can start to kind of involute a little bit just from being used, overused, if you will. And so terzepatide, number one, doesn't drive nausea to the same degree, which is great. And number two, because it's it's exerting its effect on different pathways, not just relying on one, it seems to help people to break through the plateaus they sometimes hit on the semaglutide. Sure. And but it's got all the same benefits. But it's got the same caveat. And there's and I think it bears mentioning that there are two a couple of really there's a couple of black box warnings on both of these compounds. One is that in in very few, but still in some people, it can drive pancreatitis, which is horrible, painful, and awful. Mm-hmm. And there's a black box warning on a very rare form of thyroid cancer. The only thing with that is that it's only ever been observed in rats. There's not been a human case yet. So, you know, but still someone with a history yeah. of thyroid cancer needs to be yeah. aware of these things. Yeah. And pancreatitis, that was something we had a patient in our office. We've used a lot of this. I don't know. I have 50, 60 people on the semaglutide. I never know how to say it. Semaglutide, semaglutide, whatnot. Semaglutide. We've seen some some pretty incredible results, but one patient we nearly prescribed it to had history of pancreatitis and we had to say, nope, nope. You know, unfortunately, it's just not worth the risk at this point. Let's try something else. For sure. And yeah, sorry. The only other thing I was going to say is some some practitioners will put people on BPC-157 at the same time. And the reason for that is body protective compound also yeah. is organoprotective. It protects organs. That makes and, sense. Yeah. And I would, and I'm also, if I'm ever talking to someone who's asking me about these things, I also invite them to really consider cutting down or cutting out the booze because the last thing you want to do is challenge the pancreas yeah. Um, yeah. in a situation because we don't know why the pancreatitis happens. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I was really curious when I started uh, my patients on this peptide, I was kind of thinking I had patients in two buckets, right? We had the patients that were super compliant. They were already doing everything we had requested of them. They had healed mm-hmm. their gut. They were hormonally optimized, right? And they just, for whatever reason, we had tried to detoxify, you know, their body. They just couldn't budge the needle and couldn't lose weight. And so I thought, okay, let's, let's try the, you know, cherry on the cake. Let's try peptides and yeah. see if, if they would help. And then I have the other bucket of patients who aren't quite as compliant, who don't live such a you know clean <laughs> lifestyle. And I thought, well, this is probably going to help them. Uh, I was curious to know which bucket of individuals it would help the most. If one bucket, it wouldn't help. Long story short, it did help patients in both buckets, right? But my concern mm-hmm. is then long term when these patients wean down, I mean, they may continue a low dose maintenance, but if they wean down and off, I think patients in the bucket that aren't living a healthy lifestyle aren't going to have the sustainable 
results. Yeah. Right. No, if they go back so, to, to their yep. crappy habits, you're right. Like they're just going to end up right back to where they started. So, yep. Um, what else? Any others for weight loss or should we get into what about brain function, mood, peptides for that? I know a lot of individuals want to optimize their cognitive status. What are your favorite peptides for kind of mood and brain so, function? You know, yeah, for the brain, for me, again, like we have to be working on all the other pieces, right? And, you know, there's definitely, there's a couple of, there's CMAX and CLANC are two peptides that are um, kind of anxiolytic, like they're great for anxiety, they're great for brain function, that kind of thing. You wouldn't use them at the same time. You would kind of alternate between them, go Cycle, four weeks sure. and four weeks. Again, those are, they're cool also because you can use them intranasally. Um, and those guys, you know, they're, they can work really well for some people and they're not so great for others. There's another one called, I, and I would say on the brain peptides for the most part, there's some that are showing real promise, but it always depends like what's the, and this is the question people have to ask themselves before they use a peptide. Like the question that I get asked the most often in, in the communities that I run is what's the peptide for? right? What's the peptide for X or Y or Z? And I'm like, well, do we know why X, Y, or Z is happening? Because if you don't understand the pathway that's happening to get you sure. there, we can't figure out what the peptide is that's going to fix or try to address that pathway. So, sure. you know, sure. brain dysfunction could be any number of problems, mm -hmm. right? It could be bad nutrition. It could be, I'm not sleeping. It could be, I have the beginnings of dementia. It could be vascular issues. It could be like it mold could be toxicity, so many, right? so many yeah, 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 exactly. And so for mold toxicity, well, you might use uh, some of the some of the intranasal peptides to, you know, for Marcon's for, for as a matter of fact, it's melanotan is really interesting for SIRS, chronic inflammatory mm -hmm. response mm -hmm. syndrome and used intranasally because mm -hmm. melanotan, in addition to all the other things we talked about, also has antimicrobial effects. So you know, there's just, there's, there's more to the story. It's not that easy. Yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah, It's never that simple. But I think for me, like with the, with, in terms of, yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to leave it at that just because there's, you know, we could keep going for another That's two fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked a little bit about peptides, ones that are popular, ones you like using and ones you've tried yourself. Let's specifically move on to bioregulator peptides. So what are those and what differentiates them from just kind of regular peptides? Yeah, so bioregulator peptides are, by definition, they are they're no fewer than because they have to be more than one, two amino acids and no more than four amino acids long, right? So these are these would be referred to as short chain peptides, as opposed to the other peptides, which are by definition small, but they're called long chain peptides because okay. by comparison they're longer. Except that you will find in the long chain peptide group some three amino acid peptides like KPV or GHK, but we can't talk about those because now we're going to talk about bioregulators and we don't have that much time left. So bioregulators, by definition, are two to four amino acids long and they modulate by and large. So they don't boost. They don't depress. They are always in a world of trying to restore balance to the tissue gland or organ that they are specific to. to. Via um, gene expression or via like how? Correct. Okay. Via gene expression. So they are so tiny. So both because of their tiny size and the polar charge that they carry, they are able to cross through the cellular membrane, cross through the nuclear membrane. So that's get into the nucleus. They bind to binding sites on DNA and upregulate the production of proteins made by that genetic material. And in doing so, they restore function and form to the target tissue gland and organ. So they're super interesting, both in a therapeutic sense and in a longevity health span sense, right? Because if we think about ourselves as we age, there's a natural wearing down of parts for mm -hmm. lack of a better term, right? And this is oversimplified, yeah. but you wear things out, right? Things don't work as well. Um, you know, your stomach, your stomach, the chief, the parietal cells in the, um, in the stomach may not produce as much HCL. The ileal cells in the pancreas may not produce insulin quite as efficiently, or they may get damaged. Well, what if we had a way to help the body to repair some of that damage? And that's, the offer of the bioregulator peptides. 
Yeah, not what if we do. Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> we do. And so, on a therapeutic level, when we're talking about people who are actually sick, the the medical doctors and the practitioners who integrate them into their practice will use them in conjunction with quite often conventional therapies. Like they're not only they're not going to throw yeah. everything out the window and say it's only the bioregulators. Yeah. They will, you know, for example, there's some immune bioregulators where they can be used after someone has had cancer treatment and their immune system's been trashed. Mm -hmm. Well, what if we could bring in these compounds that help to restore function and form to the immune, to different parts of the immune system? Like, wouldn't that be amazing to help them get back on their feet? Right. Absolutely. So, so there's one that the one that is the most I would say if there's one bioregulator that is the most popular and well-known is Epitalon, which mm-hmm. is the pineal gland bioregulator. And it has many claims to fame. It's one of the three peptides that got my attention when I was sitting in that lecture, right? Um, and what really gets people's attention when they kind of clue in here is that there's over 40 years of research behind these bioregulators, but it was all done in Russia and Croatia and the Ukraine, right? That whole part of the world is where all this, the the biggest body of research lives. Um, and it was started by a, a Russian doctor who was in the military called Vladimir Kavinson. And he did both animal, computer-generated modeling, and many, many, many human clinical trials using the bioregulators. Because when the military came to him and said, you need to figure out a way to make sure that our soldiers don't get blinded by lasers or don't get, you know, don't age before their time from going up into space or sitting in a mm-hmm. poorly built nuclear submarine, they gave him fully carte blanche. And in those days, you got to do whatever the heck you wanted. You, They said to him, you know what? We have factories full of people that we could try this stuff on. For the most part, I mean, and the cool thing about bioregulators is you literally can do no harm, which is really fascinating. And so there's no, I haven't used a pitalon, so there are really no side effects. I've yet to see. The only thing you could call a side effect from a pitalon is I've seen occasionally women who are postmenopausal experience some breakthrough bleeding. Sure, which is a good thing. And it's kicking their hormones back into gear. Yeah, it's sure. kicking. So, what does epitalon do through the pineal gland? It restores melatonin production. It normalizes melatonin production. It is the it is the master endocrine regulator of your body. So, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the orchestra conductor for all the hormone systems in your body. So, it's gonna it's gonna seek to restore balance wherever there's imbalance. It's not going to be able to do it all all the time, but that's kind of like the end game. And then the other thing that it does that's super sexy and very interesting is that it lengthens telomeres. Mm-hmm. Explain what activating. telomeres are to the so, audience. Yeah. yeah. So telomeres are the kind of like little shoelace doohickeys on the ends of your DNA. As your DNA, as you know, your DNA replicates and replicates and replicates. And every time it replicates, those telomeres get a little shorter, 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 shorter. If we can restore or maintain the length of the telomeres, that means that our DNA can replicate longer. Now, it also means that we need to be doing our work. We need to be using senolytics every once in a while. So we get rid of damaged DNA. We using, I like to use something called spermidine. That's really important because it enhances mitophagy and autophagy. And so these are all the processes that the body uses to clean out damaged proteins, damaged DNA, Mm -hmm. and get rid of, of the, take out the trash as it were. But if we can lengthen our telomeres, it's not like there's a straight line between longer telomeres and longer life or healthier life, but you're sure going to do better with longer telomeres than shorter telomeres. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. Go back to spermidine. Tell the audience a little bit about that. I know you have like probably complete episodes donated to that on your, your podcast, but explain to the audience a little bit about that. So spermidine is a fascinating um, compound and it's, it was, I want to say that it was, I can't remember Leslie Kenny is the person that I interviewed, and I'm actually about to have her back on the podcast because we haven't done one in a couple of years. But spermidine is this compound that is naturally occurring in sperm, hence the name. Um, And its kind of job in sperm is, it's speculated, but its job in sperm is to protect genetic material, right? And so what's fascinating about spermidine, and it can be extracted from wheat germ, 
or for people who really can't tolerate, who are like celiac, can't tolerate any gluten, you can also buy spermidine that's extracted from chlorella, but that's specially grown to be high in spermidine. But spermidine hits nine, I think it's six of the nine hallmarks of aging. And it supports those cellular cleanup processes in the body that are so important. And how's and that administered? How's that so it's oral. Okay. It's oral, right? So it's a capsule. The The company that I really like for a lot of reasons is a company called Primadine by Oxford HealthSpan. Um, and so they have both the gluten-free and the not gluten-free version. And they, and what people, so what's cool about this supplement, and we're completely off topic here because it's not even <laughs> a, a peptide or a bioregulator, but what's really cool about this supplement is that there's, it does all these under the hood things, right? It, it helps to regulate protein folded, misfolded proteins. It helps to protect DNA. It, it triggers mitophagy, autophagy, all the autophagies you can imagine. Mm -hmm. It helps with cellular signaling. Like it, it's just really important. But what people will notice when they take it regularly is that their hair, skin, and nails improve. Yeah, sign me because up for that one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's it's like you actually, there's there's so few supplements where you can visibly see the effects, mm -hmm. right? And and then the third thing that it does that people will notice is that it can really help to improve deep sleep. Awesome. And there are some people who are like, oh my God, this yeah. stuff is bomb. So it's really it's a really cool one. But getting back to what well, do you want to so go back to the bioregulators? Bio yes. I have to ask, I have to ask if there are bioregulators, which I, I shouldn't say ask. I know there are. Can you share with us some bioregulators for thyroid? So there's one. And it's called thyrogen. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's a thigh. So let me go through a few of the majors just sure, to sure. so we've got the pineal gland bioregulator, which mm -hmm. because it's at the the head of the class, as it were, we never leave it out, right? There's a bioregulator for blood vessels that helps to restore the integrity and the health of the lining of your blood vessels. Then we have the next one that I think, you know, I'm going to order and go in descending order of importance. I mean, you know, depending on your issues, your order may not be the same. The next one is the thymus gland bioregulator is super important because we know that the thymus gland starts to involute once we get past 30. So anything sure. we can do to restore function to that thymus gland is going to improve our immune system in addition to what Apitalon is doing to improve our immune system because it does all these different things. Then we have, there's a bioregulator for the heart. There's a bioregulator for the pancreas. There's so a very organ specific. Yeah. <laughs> super organ specific. In addition to thyroid gland, adrenal gland, ovaries, prostate, testes, uh, the central nervous system, that so, makes me think, so for fertility, are these helpful? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So again, as much as I've seen breakthrough bleeding in women who are postmenopausal, not often, but on occasion, I've also seen younger women who are still cycling, two and two or three in particular in my groups who had lost their cycle prematurely, like it's not mm -hmm. from menopause. Mm -hmm. They started taking a pitalon and the ovari ovarian bioregulator, and their cycle came back. Mm -hmm. Right. So it just it just kind of helped to bring things back into balance. It's not always that easy. And they were probably doing lots of other things as well. So here's the other thing about the bioregulators. Like, don't forget, you still have to be doing the work. It's like anything yeah. else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's also they work better almost in teams or in stacks. So we almost never use a bioregulator by itself. I get asked all the time, what's one product that I just can't live without when it comes to maintaining my own health and longevity? And my answer is something you've actually heard me mention on several episodes. It's called mitochondrial complex, and it's pretty much the Cadillac of multivitamins. And it's packed with antioxidants, including three key players, acetyl-L-carnitine, alpha-lipoic acid, and N-acetylcysteine. Think of a steam engine that requires coal to be continually shoveled into the furnace to power the train forward. Acetyl-L-carnitine does that for your body by shoveling short-chain fatty acids into your cells to provide your body with energy. This is an absolutely essential task to keeping you running. However, what's a byproduct of fire? You guessed it, smoke. Unfortunately, in this analogy, smoke from fire equals free radicals. To combat those free radicals, other antioxidants are needed, and that's where alpha-lipoic acid and N-acetylcysteine come in. Together, they scavenge free radicals and help boost and recharge glutathione, the most potent antioxidant in the body. To top it off, mitochondrial complex also contains a little bit of green tea extract, broccoli seed extract with sulforaphane, and even resveratrol. 
Research has shown that when athletes and individuals that are under stress begin taking this product, they are less likely to get sick as they're giving their body what it needs to conquer those stressors. Who doesn't need protection from stress and cellular damage at this time? I certainly do. I take this product every day. If you're interested in learning more about how mitochondrial complex can help support you living a longer, healthier life, check out my blog post on why antioxidants are important found at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash why dash antioxidants dash are dash important or in chapter four of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. To get 10% off our mitochondrial complex, just use code energy when checking out at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now let's get back to the show. So if and I have those, someone, you know, yeah. subcutaneous injections or how are the bioregulators administered? So no? that's a really good question, actually, before I talk about anything else. So there's really two ways to get a bioregulator. One is the natural extract from the actual tissue gland and organ from calves that have been raised mm-hmm. very in a very particular fashion. In, and I think a lot of them are either in Switzerland or France or Italy, like, you know, the fact the the manufacturer, there's really one major manufacturer of the Kevinson bioregulators. Yes. And so they're very particular about where they're getting their bioregulators from. So and those ones are makes oral it capsules. sound like they're glandulars, like we could give an adrenal glandular or a thyroid glandular. Is it very similar concept? I think it's the exact same concept. I think they're just processed in a different way to really maximize the the concentration of these amino acid sequences in there. Okay. But I actually think the next level over down, if you will, from the bioregulator is your is your glandular supplement. That's why with glandular supplements, you sometimes see such incredible stuff. Yeah. The only thing is that with the glandular, I feel like there's different concentrations of different elements that you might not want to give the thyroid glandular to someone who's hyperthyroid, right? Right. Yeah. Whereas with the bioregulator, you can use the bioregulator with a hyper or a hypothyroid person. Mm. It'll just bring them back into balance. So it's in some ways it's, it's just a more refined product than the, um, than the, than the glandular. Sure. Then there's the synthetic bioregulator. So now this is where they've isolated that two to four amino acid chain and they're able to now recreate it in a lab. And that synthetic bioregulator can either be used by subcutaneous injection or increasingly you've got a couple of companies that have now produced um, sublingual drops, Mm. nasal sprays, or even transdermal. Now the transdermal, I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm just being old fashioned. I'm not buying it hundred percent, but the sublinguals have been tested and are very effective. The challenge on those is they're quite expensive. Okay. Are these then cycled also, or are they yeah. taken continuously? Yeah. No, no, you cycle them. So, yeah. so, so the, the way to use bioregulators, again, like, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of art to the science mm-hmm. kind of thing. But depending on what you're dealing with and how long it's been and what else you're doing for your your patient, in your case, I have clients, you have patients, is that you might start with like a, a 30 or 20 day induction phase of every single day. And then you might do 10 day cycles for, for the next two to three to four to five months kind of thing until you start to see that movement. And so hopefully you're following them with labs and blood work and all the different and even the the subjective cues that the body's coming back into balance. So you mentioned you're under currently under a clinical trial, couple year trial where you're taking bioregulators. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I I cycle through anywhere from seven to nine bioregulators a month. Wow. Wow. So it's like a full system rebuild, right? Yeah. (laughs) Did you, I'm just personally curious, obviously the trial is probably measuring telomere link, like you mentioned, but did you check hormone levels or anything else just for your own personal data pre- throughout and will you post? Do you have some other data that you're so, gathering? Yeah. So that's a really good question. I I watch my hormones and th- the, the, the intention behind the protocol that I was put on was to restore telomere length and DNA methylation patterns. I've not seen that much of a shift in my like thyroid figure Like you know, my sure. thyroid's not quite optimal. Like, it could be better. In my second year of the trial now, I'm now bringing more attention to that. So I may skew my protocol a little differently to direct more directly address 
And because I'm going to be working on my thyroid, I'm also most likely going to be looking at my adrenal glands, right? So really leaning into, and and that's what I was going to say before, when you're addressing thyroid, we know that you also want to be addressing the adrenal glands. Mm -hmm. You also want to be addressing, like you want to get at that whole HPA Mm -hmm. axis, Mm -hmm. right? So it's definitely... It's 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 a really interesting thing where you want to start to really think about this stuff holistically and what are the other things you could be doing to right. support those systems and those processes. Totally. We we have a very heavy um, hormone replacement therapy practice. And I always wonder, like, if I were to incorporate some of these bioregulator peptides, right, would that lessen the amount of hormone replacement therapy that is needed? Or like, even in the younger population, can we delay the need think, to initiate yeah. the hormones? And so I just haven't used enough of them to kind of know where that, I don't know, sweet spot is and whatnot. But it, it sounds very promising. I think it's going to vary. Yeah. And yeah. I think that in your practice, if you decide you're going to get into these, what's going to happen is you're going to deep dive, you're going to read the research, blah, 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 blah. And then you're like, okay, let's try this. And And the beauty of the bioregulators is, the biggest risk is to someone's pocketbook. It's going to cost them some money. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get hurt, but it's going to be a journey for you and your patients yeah. to say, you know, how are we going to move the needle? And the and the big thing is it's going to vary from person to person. Totally. I want to come back to what you're just saying too on the safety profile. So again, for the most part, you're saying these bioregulators are just bringing the body back into balance. So they really shouldn't cause any harm. What about contraindications with medications? None. Shouldn't interact again. Yeah. Okay. None. Because again, like think about what they're doing, right? They're not shutting down a pathway or turning up a pathway. Like they're not interrupting any of the chemical processes sure. in the system. All they're doing is they're trying to bring that organ, like they're almost trying to bring the computer back online. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. So I think the only thing that could happen, again, you have someone who's very hypothyroid and they're on thyroid medication and you've got them on a thyroid bioregulator protocol, whatever that right. looks like in your world, you want to watch their numbers because of course. Yeah, you may have to lessen the medication. Not, yeah. It's not outside of the question that they might have to lessen their medication, right? Yeah. Or someone with blood sugar issues and you're working on pancreas and liver and all the things, and all of a sudden, you know, that dose of blood sugar regulating medication you have them on is too strong and they start having hypoglycemic Mm -hmm. events. So do you do what the one doctor says and says to their patient, well, just go have a Gatorade? Or do you say to your patient, hmm, I wonder if things are starting to kick and let's reduce that dose of medication and see how you do. (laughs) Totally. In your experience, how quickly do the bioregulators seem to work? It really depends. Varies, yeah. Like I've seen people with major sleep issues with Epitalon, experience a change in in days. Others notice that they do the whole cycle and it's not until after the cycle's done that they start to see a difference and others need many, many different cycles. So it has everything to do with how far down the road, how much damage there is, how much work there is to be done and what else yeah. are you doing to fix it? Yeah. Right? I, I just had, yeah. I just had a meeting with a client just before this and you know, she's like, well, I'm having these major blood sugar events in the middle of the night and I can't sleep and I wake up and the Epitalon didn't do anything for my sleep. And I'm like, well, okay, well, hold on a second, because, you know, until you fix the blood sugar problem, the Epitalon can't, it's mm-hmm. it's not going to fix your blood sugar problem. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you got to put all the pieces together, right? And people, people just forget that. Yeah. My analogy in my book, Your Longevity Blueprint is where we really compare how you would rebuild and really maintain a home, right, to the body. And so I think it just sounds like these peptides are just one other piece of one other foundational tool that would help repair, rebuild the home, AKA right, the body. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, and to your point, I love the home analogy to your point, like another piece that people kind of forget is you have raging inflammation. If your house is on fire, nothing's going to really, we're work. not going to rebuild can... until we put out the fire. Yeah. There are some priorities yeah. that yeah have to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anything else you want to share that we didn't quite get into on peptides <laughs> or bioregulator peptides? We kind of talked all around, but this is great. Yeah, I, I'm, I, you know, we could, I could go in like a thousand different directions. I think, I think that the bioregulators, as much as they're not as well known, um, probably have more. And, and I mean, it's changing because there's, if you go on PubMed, you can find a ton of trials that are happening with the peptides. But not as, but the bioregulators have way more human clinical trials behind them. 
even though nobody has the money to do them anymore. There'd be that. But the the other peptides, the big challenge, of course, is that there's not those human clinical trials going on because the only ones that are going to happen are going to be the pharmaceutical company who said who believes, and this is what happened with semaglutide and terzepatide, is they've altered naturally occurring mm-hmm. peptides in the body so that they work better, so that they have a certain effect. And so it's a tweak. And as soon as they can make that tweak, and I mean, to their credit, the tweak they made made all the difference in the world, right? It turned something that was nothing into something that really moves the needle for people. Mm -hmm. So I just, I think that all I would say to your audience is, you know, if you have a physician like you, who's curious and open and, and looking at this stuff, you have the best ally in, in this journey with peptides, because you're able to pull from all the different buckets, all the different toolkits around you to get your yep. best outcome. Totally. Well, tell listeners where they can find you. I know you have a Facebook group, a community, so share that with us. Yeah. So the Facebook community, like I said to you earlier, it's a bit of the wild, wild west. It's a massive community. It's over 14,000 people. So it's called Optimizing Superhuman Performance. And, you know, as it gets bigger, it gets harder for me and my admin to kind of stay on top of everything, but we do our best. And it's a, it's a very vibrant community. The, so what's happened is in November of last year, I started a new community on Mighty Networks called BSP. So as in biohacking superhuman performance, which is the name of my podcast, which is the other way to kind of learn more about this stuff. Yeah. And the Mighty Networks community is tighter, it's smaller, but I do a lot more in-person stuff there. So I do mm-hmm. live Q&As in there. I invite other experts to come in and do live Q&As. We'll sometimes do special offers with N of One experiments with different supplements and protocols. Like it's it's actually a really fun group. And then people who join for a year get my peptide crash course included in their membership. Um, and so to learn about that, you just go to my website, natnidham.com. And there's a tab at the top that says BSP community. And that's where you would join up if you wanted to do that. Like I said, there's the podcast, the biohacking superhuman performance podcast. And then I'm on Instagram just under my name, Natalie Nidham. That's it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Last question. What's your absolute top longevity tip? Uh, I I know it's hard to narrow down one and you may have already mentioned it on the show, but (laughs) my top longevity tip my top longevity tip is to remain curious and open mm. and, you know, to avoid being rigid. I think that in this health journey that we're all on, it's so tempting to become dogmatic when we learn certain things. And if there's one thing we know about the human body is that there's a whole lot we don't know. <laughs> so, you know, do the best you can, take care of the basics, right? The sleep, the nutrition, the stress management, the movement, the getting outside, all like take care of that foundation. And then when it comes to the fancy stuff, you know, layer it in as you need it, but always maintain that aspect of curiosity so that you're not, you're never kind of, you never become so rigid that you believe that this is the only way. There's always going to be another way. The very unique answer. No one has said that. So oh, great answer. Yay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, pleasure. thank you today for coming on the show and really sharing how effective peptides can be. I know I am curious, more curious than I was before I interviewed you. And I'm sure the listeners are as well. And I think the listeners also may be a little hooked, as are you and I. So, <laughs> so thank you. I know. So thank you so much for your time today. This was awesome. Thank you, Stephanie. This has been great. I really, I really enjoyed the conversation. Another super interesting show. There is always just so much more to learn. I love how peptides can help the body do what it's supposed to do best. If you're interested to try some bioregulators mentioned on today's show, Natalie recommends purchasing from profound-health.com and use her discount code longevity15 for 15% off. Notice some of these may have Russian names, which can be a little confusing. So opt for the nature's marvel brand names of which are easier to understand and select. be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. 
I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. This podcast is produced by Team Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.